This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 12th to the 18th of December. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by Reviews editor Paul Manny. Hello, Paul. Hello there, Ezzie. Well, we had an exciting week last week, but it's not too bad this week as well. We've got some interesting things to look for. Oh, excellent. So what do we have coming up in this week's Night Sky? Well, a lot of them do occur in the late night. So we're talking about late evening into the early morning. But that's one of those things with astronomy. And especially as we're following the moon, we often follow the moon and it's near various objects. Now, on the 12th, it actually lies between or sort of like on the boundaries of Cancer and Leo. But on the 13th, on the late evening, it actually lies next to the sickle asterism of Leo. And I always think I would like to point out the asterisms because like the great bear, we don't, people look at the great bear and what they see is the plow. The plow is the asterism part. The great bear is the rest of the faint stars that make up the constellation of the great bear. But most people see the plow and say that's the great bear. They're sort of right, but it's an asterism. It's the brightest seven stars. The sickle's the same. It's the, it's a particular shape that looks like a, a sickle or a scythe and uh, you've got regulus at the bottom of the handle you see sort of bright first magnitude star so the difference uh, for those who don't know uh, an asterism is a, a popular known star pattern so things like the plow like the sickle um i think also there's there's ones sort of various triangles and squares and things like that um is it the square of pegasus square of pegasus yes, yes. And the circular to pisces yeah yes um which tend to be Small subsections of larger constellations um, and constellations sort of mark out areas of the sky as well. So there we are sort of thing. So as I say, the sickle is a quite a prominent one. And, uh, you know, there is quite a few stars in it that make it up. But the moon will, over the course of that night, pass above Regulus, but it's creeping ever closer, in fact, 
to uh, Eta Leonis. But before we go there sort of thing, just remember to have a look at Regulus because Regulus is a wide double star. Unequal components, the bright main star dominates, but there is a fainter uh, component next to it. So well worth having a look at in binoculars. You can see that in binoculars, so you don't need a big telescope for that. And then another one to look for is actually in the sickle as well sort of thing. Further up the handle and slightly around the crookedness of the sickle itself, we've got Algeba Gamma Leonis. Very tight, double, but two golden yellow stars. It's absolutely gorgeous in a telescope. One is just slightly fainter than the other. So they're two highlights. So while you've got the moon here guiding you, in actual fact, the moon, you could say, is forming a triangle with Regulus and Algeba. It just so happens that Eta lies between them as well, sort of thing, forming its own little triangle. And watch during the course of the rest of the night, because into the early hours of the 14th, the moon glides past Eta. And again, I always love it when they're so close. The moon is so close to a bright star, and it really brings it home, sort of thing, if you watch it gradually drifting past the star. It's a bit like the occultations last week. You see the real motion of the solar system. You see the real motion of the moon itself. So if you start off the late evening and note the position of the moon, wait until about, okay, yeah, I know. Well, we're astronomers. We will stay up. 5 a.m. Yes, I know it's a real time, you know, and if, if you, there's lots of things to look at in the night sky, not just the patches we spot on these uh, uh, recordings, but the moon passes just under Eta Leonis itself at about 5 a.m. And if you watch it over the course of, say, about 10, 15 minutes, you can see the, the motion of the moon as it passes the star. The star acts as a reference point, as it. That's the mm -hmm. key. It appears to be the fixed point in the sky, whereas the moon is the motion. It's the moving one. Now, that morning is also, you could say, the best time to catch a falling star and put it <laughs> in your pocket. But not literally, of course. It is the peak of the annual Geminids meteor shower. But there's a bit of a fly in the ointment, and we've just mentioned it. Yes, the moon's up. So the nearby moon will spoil the actual view. It's one of those things that the peak actually occurs in the afternoon of the 14th. So you really want to be looking around about late night, the 13th into the 14th. The radiant is close to the star Castor, uh, obviously one of the twins in Gemini. But the point is, just bear in mind that the moon will wash out the fainter meteors and you'll only be left with the odd one or two that are particularly bright. But it's still worth having a go. And again, um, a very similar thing to what we said last week about the Pleiades. It's worth seeing what you can see because one of the things is we, we can sometimes put people off, say, oh, well, the moonlight will wash it out. And so people don't bother. But mm. it's worth having a check just to see what you can see of the Geminids under these conditions because it gives you a guide then and makes you excited for when you know there's no moon next time. Because mm. if you can see, say, four or five with the moon up, then it gives you a greater chance of seeing a lot more when there's no moon the next time uh, the meteor shower comes around. I will say this year has been... Uh... I'm going to be honest, pretty pants when it comes to meteor showers. <laughs> yes. All of the major ones have been washed out for the moon. But I have been taking a look forward to next year. And 2023, if you're into your, your, your meteor showers, that's, that's, you're going to want to be paying attention in 2023. I'll put it that way. So, yeah, maybe get some practice in now if you can. Exactly. 
exactly sort of thing because uh, i mean next year i mean i've been doing the same and all oh, yes mm. you know we have years where the meteor showers are really poor because of the moon then we have the years that you look forward to when you've got a whole range of meteor showers and you've got a chance to see them against dark skies so yes yes get excited for that and get practicing now watch it out for them okay now the next period is december the 16th to the 18th I'm afraid, yes, we're still with the moon. And because we're with the moon, it's got to be in the early morning sky. We're looking at about 6 a.m. Now, the moon actually does take quite a, a bit of time, several days, in fact, to cross one of the largest constellations in the night sky. Um, it's not the largest, but Virgo is huge. And it actually takes around about four days, but one of our days falls into the next week. So we won't, we'll discount that, won't we? So we'll just deal with the three. <laughs> but it's still amazing that it, the moon's going to pass through Virgo uh, over the next three days sort of thing. That's how big the constellation is. And as it does so, again, it, it's fairly close to some reasonable stars, but the phase is thinning. It's getting less. It's waning towards the uh, new moon. So the phase is getting less and less. We're seeing a crescent moon build up. So as it moves through Virgo on the 16th, it, the moon lies to the right of New Virginis. That's on the 16th. So there's a thick crescent there. Then the next morning, it's actually quite close to Eta Virginis. Um, I think that's called Zania, if I remember right. And, mm. uh, but uh, we usually eat a Virginis as such. But it's also to the upper right of the close double star Gamma Virginis or Porimer. Now, Porimer has been opening up over the last few years. There are years when it is so tight Amateur telescopes can't resolve it, but it is wide now. So this is a time to actually observe Parmas. You've got a guide there. You've got the moon guiding you towards Parmas. Then finally, on December the 18th, the crescent moon will lie to the upper right of Speaker or Spiker and Alpha Virginis, the brightest star in the constellation. That's why it's called Alpha. We use the Greek designations as a rule to go from the brightest Alpha to the faintest Omega. But as we know, as it, there are a few exceptions out there. They hadn't gone to a particular brand of um, uh, spectacle makers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was also, you know, some stars, they do, their brightness does change. Um, yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes it, it's, you know, somebody's telescope. It could be, you know, where you are in the world. And also most of these, when they were given their names, a lot of them were just done by eyeballing it, essentially, yeah. and trying yeah. to work out which one they thought was the brightest. So it's, you know, it's entirely possible that they might have been mistaken on a couple of them. And when we think about it, I mean, you know, only just a couple of years ago, we had Betelgeuse go through a dramatic mm. dimming naked eye. Exactly. You know, so yeah. perhaps, you know, when they when they labelled it sort of thing, you know, that then it may have been dim, it may have been bright sort of thing. So we never know, do we sort of thing? Because we can't, we need a TARDIS. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> Go back and see what they really saw sort of thing. And what they were really called. <laughs> and how <laughs> yes. you pronounce the names. <laughs> exactly. Yes. However, the other thing to note is you start to see earth shine as the crescent gets thinner the earth shine which is the light bounce from the earth back onto the moon fills in the night side so you feebly see the features and i think it just looks ephemeral it looks gorgeous when you see this crescent this ghostly view mm -hmm. of the rest of the moon hanging there as well so there we are that's we we uh, get the uh, week finishing and uh, we finish with a crescent moon earth shine and speaker or spicer depending on how you want to pronounce it.
So thank you very much for taking us through that week, Paul. Uh, it certainly sounds like there's a lot of things to, to capture people's attention. Um, there's things most days. So on the 12th, you've got the waning moon passing through the sickle of Leo. On the 13th to the 14th uh, that night, there's going to be the peak of the Geminids meteor shower. Then on the 14th, the moon will pass by the bright star Eta Leonis. On the 16th, the moon's going past Gamma Virginis or Porima. And then finally on the 18th, Alpha Virginis. So lots of chances to see the moon passing by some really bright and interesting stars. Thank you very much for taking your time to talk to us about that, Paul. Uh, If our listeners want to make sure that they don't miss any of the upcoming spectacular stargazing events, please do subscribe to the Star Diary podcast to keep your weekly update. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 